post loudness. Audio on the French. This is the Open Ended Podcast, where two best friends discuss tech culture with a side of sass. I'm James T. Green, and I am still crying from listening to Drake's new album, Views. <sighs> All right. And I'm sure Vincent, and I had a vanilla bean frappuccino this um, afternoon, and it's so nice to just have something that is basic and simple, and you know what you're getting out of it. And yeah, it's like the, 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 the lower calorie version for the frappuccino, but it's really, really good, and uh, I'm just feeling that frappuccino vibe. So we have Dr. Lauren Monsine Rhodes here in yeah, the studio. Lauren. I think I got your name right. Did I get it right? Monson. Monson. Oh, okay. man. That's okay. <laughs> very, very close. It's okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you. I'm glad to be here this afternoon, too. Wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Oh, that's really sweet. Oh, thank you. You don't have to lie to us, but that's okay. (laughs) I'm lying. (laughs) Difficult for me to lie. (laughs) Oh, that's really good. That's awesome. I wish I had that problem. (laughs) It's so easy for me to lie. It's so bad. For people who don't know who you are, how do you fill your time? How do I fill my time? Um, well, I am the associate director of Jane Addams Hall House Museum here in Chicago, Illinois. And that's pretty much takes up most of my time at the moment. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> I can imagine. When I'm not watching every single show on the CW. <gasps> okay, which one's your favorite? Um, I really like the originals. Oh, my mom likes the originals. I watched the first season and I fell off. But, mm. I, but I love Klaus. Cause I, uh, he's cause I, amazing. Because I loved him on Vampire Diaries so, so, so much. And I miss him on Vampire Diaries. Yeah. Ugh. He's gosh. an amazing And Joseph Morgan's a great actor. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And I also like, I mean, I, I like all of them. I can't like, I I feel that, you know, like, and I get really excited for the 100 and I get really excited for Flash. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Jane the Virgin. And mm, I also really, really want to get into um, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. That's actually, I, it took me a while to get into that one. It's getting there. It got me. Okay, got me. cool, cool, cool. I've heard really good things about yeah. it. And I know it's on Hulu, so now I'm just going to like binge on it when summer hits and mm-hmm. I'm and I find a couple of hours in my day. So anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. It's just like, ah, CW. I, that's a good enough uh, rep on the show. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, CW is a big connection with some people. Yeah. A lot of people. Oh, yeah. yes. they, get my, they get my teen drama soul. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they just get it. Yeah. So there's a few reasons why we definitely wanted you here mm-hmm. to talk with you, aside from just being an overall great person, is that you are pretty new to Chicago. Very. And <laughs> you've also lived... That new blood. <laughs> you've lived a lot of different places, too. Mm-hmm. So, like, how does it feel being brand new to a city? Um, I mean, that's a really good question because I've moved around a lot. So I'm, which not, and I never thought I was going to be one of those people, but um, I mean, I grew up in a small university town in Western Massachusetts called Amherst, which is a great place for people to go to school, but not my favorite place to live in ever. I think like in high school, I started living away from home because I went to boarding school in Boston and then I went to Oberlin in Ohio for undergrad and mm. Then ended up in like Baltimore and New York eventually, and 
Yeah. And then, you know, Seattle and... So you have like a very nomadic lifestyle. Yeah, I do. I do. Like, I like, I don't know what it is. Like, I have this like, like having relationships with cities and then like a regular relationship with a person either it continues and you're like totally in love and you want to like stay with them forever (laughs) or, you know, or that like period of romance ends and you're like, what the hell am I doing here? Oh, wait, look, there's like that bright, shiny thing I need to go after now. Yeah, that's me. For this trip to Chicago and this um, this move, what was your planning as far as that goes? I, you know, Chicago, honestly, Chicago was not on my radius. Oh, ever. really? It was not. No. That's it what never... a lot of people say, honestly. When they <laughs> no, exactly. Because you're like, <laughs> Which oh, is so weird. yeah, Chicago. It's right. one of those cities that, like, it's massive, but mm-hmm. you kind of, it sinks up on you. Yeah. Yeah. And I was always like, well, I went to undergrad in the Midwest. I was never kind of like, oh, I want to go back to sure. the Midwest. And I know, like, Ohio is not Illinois. And I know that there's a whole thing about Chicago having a complex about being in the Midwest. I'm not gonna get that um it's okay yeah you know, we've, got, we've got thick skins i know right. we're from chicago okay right we're like, right we're from the, you know it's a city it's metropolitan um it's not really the midwest it's just the city that happens to be in the midwest midwest happened to it um, <laughs> i like that though actually <laughs> um but um no, I mean, never, I mean, people had always said, because I always said, like, I really like living in cities, and they're like, well, why don't you do Chicago? And I was like, no, I, you know, like, it just, because there was, it's not, like, it just, there was never a draw. So, like, what has been the worst thing about here so far? <laughs> One thing? All right, give, oh! give, give, us, <laughs> hey, give us, give us a couple. Yeah, yeah. Give us a couple, and honestly, we'll just, we'll just, we'll just, if there's any One hate thing. tweets or hate emails, I've got your email, so don't worry, I'll forward it to you. Okay, thank you. Well, spill the hate, the tea. Good thing I have that closed Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> um, people always make the mistake, I think, of comparing Chicago with New York, which makes sense because they're like, oh, because, you know, York's like a big city like a and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Entirely so different. But I think if Chicago is going to be compared to another city, it should be compared to Boston. Ooh. And here is Very why. One, the street, there are streets to go nowhere, disappearing <laughs> street signs that people cannot drive. <laughs> oh my God, that's so true, though. That's so true. Oh, and you oh wait until God. you get the kicker. It's segregated. Yes, that's the thing about <laughs> Boston that... <laughs> Cause it's wait, cause like I thought, like when I was out there for an east for an east coast city, it's so segregated in a way that I didn't think it was gonna be. And but out there, the first time I was ever called the N word was in Boston, which is Not like, surprising, yeah. which is like man, thought double. Like I thought we were north, you know. I thought I was free. No, clearly you're not. <laughs> oh, like, <boy. laughs> like no, clearly. And I really don't like Boston, so mm. it's you know like that's the city I've avoided living in. Sure. Um, those are things like those are like minor like that shouldn't like get me but i think it's in some ways i think the segregation part in particular is yeah really difficult um and one of the things that i've sort of noticed is that it's difficult here at least to make friends across like across those lines across the color lines here i mean i think people have friends who are in multiple groups Mm -hmm. it's not that people don't right have friends in multiple groups but the sense that I've gotten is that it's a lot of like very sticking with your own. And I think it's because of like the neighborhoods that you live in, or it's because like there's a lot of people who come here from college mm-hmm. and come with like that one group of friends and don't yeah. need that one group of friends. So you see like, you know, one group that's like, 
all like very pale white people yeah, it gets, who went to school in Wisconsin together. Exactly. Yeah. It's very clicky here yeah. in that regard mm-hmm. that they kind of just stick with their their own mm-hmm. people and they don't really, if they have a good nice sized group, they really don't have to like go outside of that group so much. Mm-hmm. So couldn't you argue that just from like a sociological standpoint that that's just based on you hang around the people that you share interest with and you share certain communities with? But I'm not quite sure that it's like always shared interest and shared community. I think there's like also this thing about like not wanting to step outside of the comfort zone. Yeah. You know, like there's like this weird, this is like the sense that I get that there's like a lot of like want and love um, and embracing of like comfort and sameness. Like and I feel like you're coming here. from a, like James is coming from like, because like me and James are pretty social right. butterflies. Not everyone's like that. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who kind of just like stick to the same five friends they went to college with mm-hmm. and that's it. And I hang out with them, but I'm always hanging out with them and these guys. And it's never them hanging out with a different mix of guys. It's always the same four guys. And it's, it's hard to like, if, I mean, I, I enjoy hanging out with them, but I never really see them branching out. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm that one point where they branch out. So it's, yeah, I can see that a lot in Chicago. I felt that way too in San Francisco. But Oh, yeah, and that's where we can talk about the Bay Area. <laughs> um, I've lived there as well um, in San Jose. Nice. I think it would just be easier to say much. where, where have you, haven't, haven't you lived? lived? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. Yeah, and I, and, I know, <laughs> and I know I will be kicking myself if I don't go further into where you have lived. Mm-hmm. And especially since you did study anthropology. Mm-hmm. And you lived in Latvia? Latvia. Latvia? Latvia. Yeah, Latvia, yes. yeah. Yeah, and it was super interesting when you told me that you, like, you studied the black diaspora mm-hmm. um, out in that way. Yes. And just like these different, how blackness is different in a variety of places. So, um, so I think... One thing is that with the Chicago, if you're going to say like, you know, with Chicago and the Bay Area, we have to couch that in the United States and the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, has a very kind of different way of looking at things such as like blackness and race than the rest of the world. But the thing is about the U.S. is the U.S. thinks that like everybody else has the same perspective that the U.S. does on these things, Um, which was a nice little thing that I had with my dissertation committee, because and I'm saying that because when I wrote my dissertation and did my research, one of the things that I sort of found out was one, um, they didn't talk about things in terms of race in Latvia. They're starting to now because of the refugee crisis in Europe. Yeah, they have to. Yeah, they're starting to sort of talk about like we're white and they're not. Mm. Um, but if you ask a <laughs> Latvian to describe, say to them like, okay, define what a Latvian is, skin color would not come into it. Like, it would, first it would be like, speaks Latvian, you know, knows all the songs, because they're really into singing. Um, knows all a lot the of Romania, Romania actually is similar because they have a lot of different ethnicities living there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so they talk about it in terms of ethnicity. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it would be like, I'm Latvian, you know, like you're Latvian, Latvian, and that guy over there, he's Russian, Latvian. And, mm-hmm. and those are like the only, you know, there's more than those two ethnicities it's just that everybody kind of couches it within those two why do you think that like the u.s has such a um i wouldn't necessarily say fascination but sort of like holding such an importance on race 
because I've had these same conversations mm-hmm. with a lot of my students who are from uh, who are not from the United States. Mm-hmm. And the discussions that I bring up, obviously, as being like a black male, I bring up discussions on race a lot mm-hmm. in class. And sometimes maybe it, it comes up as a lot of confusion, like, you know, I don't think race is that important mm-hmm. and those type of things. And I know they're not coming at it from right. a sense of trying to be, quote unquote, colorblind. Well, one is slavery, obviously. Yeah, institutional. I mean, yeah, institutionalized slavery, which happened yeah. in a lot of other countries. But what happened after, I mean, also not just what happened after, but I think the Brits in particular. So if I remember this correctly, so each one of sort of like the slaveholding nations kind of dealt with the issues of, let's say, we'll call it race, but I'm going to, I'm also going to say for simplicity's sake, color, um, very differently. Mm-hmm. Um, in some ways, so the I think we're kind of kind of coming out of the British right. system um, for the most part, with the exception of say like Louisiana, which is like an outlier mm-hmm. um, in its own way. Um, because then you have like Brazil comes out of Port- you know Portuguese, and then you have like you know Haiti that comes out of French and so on, and and a lot of the um, Spanish too. and Spanish too. Yeah, so I think yeah, this, and then we also have the Dutch, and yeah, there's mm-hmm. a whole bunch of them, but. Um, <laughs> Like in New York, lot. I mean, it's all that's all it is in New York, right? Yeah, yeah that's what Brooklyn is, it's right. Dutch country, <laughs> right? But I think like so, some of it comes out of that. I think in terms of the system, and I, a historian, can probably correct me on this. So please email me if you're a historian, and you can tell me if I'm completely wrong. But we I, have yeah. historian listeners, okay? So good. We'll, we'll make sure, <laughs> right? And I, but this is like all I remember from like you know my college years. Um, so I think that's part of it. But I also think it's like what again, also what happened after. Is a big yeah piece the reconstruction of it. period yeah here was, yeah yeah reconstruction it's, big time yeah significant in the way we handle it mm-hmm. and just like also all the things that happened afterwards too like mm-hmm. into the like, into the 1900s with like you know the Jim Crow and everything like that it was still very systematic racism mm-hmm. throughout where like I don't feel like it was as intense as it like i mean i don't know like i mean like in britain i, I i'm not i'm mm-hmm. not familiar with my britain british history as well as i should mm-hmm. be but like i mean there wasn't as lot of segregation was there uh, like i mean like like jim crow segregation it wouldn't be jim crow st- segregation i mean yeah. Stuart hall the late great amazing um cultural theorist Stuart hall wrote um quite a bit about it although i didn't know he was like black until like i did my dissertation but that's a whole other story <laughs> <laughs> um, did you I, just open up that wikipedia page and find <laughs> I just do a little brown. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. No, it's because like all the stuff I had read by him up until that point was like his stuff that he'd written like on media and cultural studies and he wasn't right, you know, like, and there was no like as a black, you know, man. Sure, sure. So like it never, um, until I had to read something where he did talk about his identity. Do you feel like people in history have to, um, well, not in history, but as far as educators, you think that's important to bring up like your race and culture when you're like, writing, I, writing it? You know what? Um, I'm of two minds about that. Mm. I did in my dissertation and I had to because I had to stake a very certain claim in my dissertation because I was doing research on individuals of black African descent in Latvia. And when I was there doing my dissertation research, I was being seen um, through the lens of being a person of black African descent. And that's how people were interacting with me when I was there. Um, and so I had to sort of spe- I had to speak up about that and sort of say, like, when I was interview when I was like doing interviews um, with people who are of black African descent, which is the term I used to call them um, to call my interviewees, that there would be a lot of like 
bonding stuff that happened. So I think one of the things we were talking about, like we start talking about like hair and Mm -hmm. like, well, why don't you straighten your hair? And I'd be like, well, I don't straighten it because I, you know, I don't do it all. I do it every once in a while. And she's like, well, you know, like I look at all the black women, like in, you know, all the brown women, actually, she would have said um, in the U.S., like, you know, Beyonce and all of them and they have their hair straight, which Beyonce doesn't now. So I want to get back to that person and be like, it's also a wave. It's also a wave that she has. Right. So exactly. Like, yeah. But like they don't like they all have, like their hair, like they're wearing their hair straight. Like when I look in the videos, so like that's how her hair is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So like I would have these conversations because there is like this mirror that was happening. Um, so I had to talk about it. Um, when I'm teaching or when I taught, cause I guess we're talking about places where I lived. Like I lived in Latvia for three years, taught at university of Latvia in the anthropology program. Um, and I was already like, people saw me and see who I am. So I don't have to like couch it in like, Hey, as like a black woman, this is how I feel about the subject because you see what I look like right, right. right now in front of you. Like, I don't have to tell you, um, which is sort of the jarring thing kind of coming back to the U.S. because in the U.S. I think there is a lot in terms like there's a lot of value put into identity um, in a way that's not necessarily happening in a lot of other places. There's a lot of value in like you have like where the where your identity comes out first and foremost in conversation or sure. in teaching or in writing. And I don't think you necessarily it necessarily has to happen, but I know and I but I understand. And I acknowledge why it happens here in the United States, particularly within the academy, um, in a way that it wasn't going to happen in Latvia. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't see like, you know, any of my colleagues stand up and say, well, as a woman who is like, you know, whose father is Russian and, you know, mother is (laughs) Latvian, and this is where I'm coming from. Unless they were talking about, you know, talking about like Russian-Latvian relations or something. And that was important to talk about. That is like almost a trope when it comes to uh, questions given on panels. Or <laughs> <laughs> sure. someone speaks up as a as an X and Y. Right. This, how, this is how I feel about this. How about you? <laughs> right. Yeah, so you have like you can know, take your claim and like like I'm coming from this background. Right. So yeah, it's very we're both yeah. women of as you know as women of color like myself. How yeah. do you feel about X, Y, and Z? And mm. sometimes I'm like, well. I'm not like you. Right, exactly. <laughs> I am my own person. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting because like, whenever I was abroad, like they wouldn't even identify me as um, a brown. Oh, just I'll be American. Mm-hmm. And I feel, and that's, and I feel that that's outside any place outside of America. It's like that. It's like they just don't like you're American. You're not, you know. I mean, obviously, I'm a brown person. Right. I'm a p- person of color, but I'm also American because I'm not from Europe. I'm not from Asia. Mm-hmm. I'm from America, so that's where I identify it. So that's always interesting hearing just the because in america it's so dedicated it's so entrenched with the racial politics because of the institutional racism Mm -hmm. that happened and and everything after the fact so yeah yeah. and i feel bad i mean and that's true and i think the other thing too that also happens um when you're a brown person traveling is that either you're instantly recognized like you know considered categorized as american or you're instantly categorized as something other than american right so you know like i have like a file folder in my head of like what people have thought I am it could be anywhere from like East Indian to like yeah, I get, to I get, Egyptian yeah, and, yeah I get um North African like Moroccan I've gotten that yeah yeah they're like oh are you from Morocco like, no or I get um Indian I or like um like I've been at like are you Hindu like no 
not even a little bit. Sorry, Brazil. sorry to disappoint you. Yeah, I get. I used to get like when I was in high school, um, Mexican. Like they start speaking in Spanish. Like I, 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 mm. I, I can't, I can't communicate with you. I'm sorry. So, um, yeah, just have that racial ambiguity mm-hmm. that I have, especially because when I was abroad, though, that never really came up. They just automatically because I heard my accent speaking mm-hmm. to them. I'm like, yep. oh, you're American, obviously. <laughs> so, right. so then that was just whatever. After that, I was just American. That was all I was. And it was kind of refreshing. <laughs> I was like, oh, cool. I'm on I'm constant, you know, identity crisis. <laughs> you placed me correctly geographically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you for knowing where my geography is. Precisely. <laughs> That's so funny. So I'm curious um, a little bit more about this global blackness uh, mm. conversation that yeah you, i felt Tina really had. bad because i kind of veered away from oh it. <laughs> that is totally okay that's, that's totally okay is. <laughs> keep it and and i'm i'm more curious about it mainly because you know as of lately especially with um people literally killing mm-hmm. people of color of you know women men mm-hmm. queer er- everything all in between like um and a lot of pop culture moments, uh, particularly artists, are sort of like elevating this like state of blackness. But I've heard a lot of critiques that's very American blackness, mm-hmm. oh, at yeah. least that I've seen. So, like, how do you feel about this? A great kind of public rising of blackness in society, mm-hmm. but then almost kind of missing the global conversation. That's a really good question. You know, a lot. <sighs> Did Trayvon Martin happen? I think I was in Latvia. Because I don't think I was back in Seattle yet. I'm mm. trying to remember. Sure. Sort of like. That was 2013. Um, yeah, because, yeah, it 20, was 2013. 2012. 2012. Oh, God. Then I would have been either in Seattle going into Latvia or mm. already in Latvia. It happened technically February 26, 2012. But I it, it was a couple months that it began began to be public and then the trial. Began. Okay, so right, I was right, still right. in Seattle. Um, so I was in the U.S. When, um, with Trayvon Martin. Um, and it's weird because I think um, for some strange reason, I have like, I have memory of like talking about it. I have memory of having a debate that summer um, with my family members about it which my father stayed at is my father is African-American. My mother is Ashkenazi Jewish. I should um, state that for the record (laughs) because this will make sense in a second. And I remember having debates with my mother and my aunt about it because my aunt was like, well, you know, he was dressed like, you know, with like a hood and da 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 and like all that kind of stuff. And I literally called her out and kind of said, isn't that kind of like problematic what you're saying? And she's like, it's not problematic. Like if I saw a white kid like that, and I was like, bullshit. I swear. Yes, yes. Oh, okay, yeah, you can. You. Um, yeah, you can. <laughs> thank you. Um, but my dad kind of stayed out of it. I saw him laughing in the corner, so I knew he was, like, acknowledging what I was saying was correct. <laughs> he's just learned to, like, he's just, like, and then they'd be like, but Irv, like, you agree with us. And he's like, I say nothing. Um, <laughs> That's my father. That's my father. like, I, I'm not here. Right. All I know is I'm Mel Vincent. Like, he's just, like, in his corner. That's so funny. Right. Um, but so I think... But somehow I don't remember. I have like no like memory of comp- like of like strong actions taking place um, on University of Washington campus when I was there. I think there mm. were, but there's not a lot of black people. Right. For one, um, two, um, you know, Occupy was happening at around oh, the same God, time. Oh God! Yeah, we can talk about the whole other thing. Yeah, yeah. we're not gonna um, talk about that. So I think that was taking up people's <laughs> energy a little bit more in Seattle. Um, right. Right. And then. When everything sort of hit it, you know, and then in terms of, say, 
Freddie Gray and on and on and on. Um, Yeah. A lot of that was happening either on my way coming back to the U.S. after living in Latvia for three years. And so being in Latvia, um, it's not going to be in the news. I mean, it was sort of, but it it presents itself in the news as another person was shot (laughs) in the United States. Wow. You know, like, why is there so much violence in the U.S.? You know, like, presented within that. Like, they're not... They'll say, like, you know, shot a black man, um, you know, police shot a black man. Um, what was interesting for me in Latvia was the fact that the the language in terms of, and by this is a linguistics conversation, but the language changed in terms of how they, what words they use to describe a black man. So there's, like, multiple terms, one of which is, like, more offensive than the other, like, four of them. So there's one term, which is like negaris, which is like the typical one, but to most ears sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. The other um, one. <laughs> so, the word. Yeah, that one. Yeah, the other mm-hmm. one. So, you know, so they would use that sometimes. And then um, what I started seeing is that there would be a transformation from using that. So I think the first time I went lived in Latvia, that would, I would see that a little bit more in journalism and um, on the street a little bit. Um and then people say, well, that's like the traditional word. It doesn't it doesn't mean the N-word. It's a totally different one. And I was like, yeah, but it kind of sounds like it. And when it sounds like it to people and when people who are particularly like I knew somebody who is African-American living um, in Latvia and had been there for 16 years. And he's like, this is actually offensive to me. Like when I hear this term, like just because it's like old and traditional doesn't mean it's like a good word. Um because they also use like jid for Jewish mm. sometimes, I even though they yeah, have, that sounds like a slur too. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I was like, and they're like, but the traditional way, and I was like, yeah, but for not for Jewish people, I'm like, you have another word, like just use ebrietes, like use like you know, you know, ebrietes or e, you know, or ebriete, like you know, Jewish man, Jewish woman, um, gender, but but anyway, so they, but what I saw with black um, is that they started that the terminology started changing, which I was like, which is what I was paying attention to. I think when I was there, it was like when all this was happening, like, how are you referring to, you know, Mike Brown? Like, how are you referring to like, so instead of like negatives, I started saying like mounds, which is black, but a mound, you know, mound which is like black skinned, Interesting. Or, you know, or Tumshadino, which is like dark skinned. So like that terminology, started, so that I was like, of like something sort of happening yeah, here, exactly. like something's kind of coming through. That's really interesting. Some sort of conversation or something, or they're hearing, or they're getting the feedback, or the journalists spent a lot of time in the U.S. and we're like came back and we're like, well, this is how this translates, and right. here's how this is going to sound. Um, so that to me, I really um, was intrigued by. Um, but like amongst my friends, we weren't really talking about it. I mean, I would talk about it with like, you know, like the African American friend of mine that I had, and maybe some other people. There is no, there's no, like, there's not, like, a huge conversation, like, what's happening in the U.S.? And, like, why are they killing black people there? But when I came back to the U.S., it was, like, I entered back into that conversation of, like, what it means to be black in America and what it means to be black globally. Whereas, like, in Latvia, the interviewees that I had when I was doing my research who were born and raised in Latvia, they would never, like, categorize themselves as black, and the reason why they wouldn't categorize themselves as black is they're like, well, my skin's not black. My skin's brown. So I'm brown. But it's not an identity that's a skin color. I it's, hope that helps. No, it's <laughs> really interesting. And just, 
it's in, in in the fact that like within three years you can see the evolution of mm-hmm. just the terminology change. In three years, it's very fast. Yeah, <laughs> it's very fast. Especially well, or compared four to years technically, but yeah. still, but compared to American mm-hmm. America, to American history mm-hmm. and just how it took so long to just do anything or move backwards, just a constant cycle of bullshit that happens here and the fact yeah. that within three years or four years in Latvia the terminology changed pretty drastically yeah and it was sort of I mean I think like you know I think a lot of that has to a lot has to do with like people are traveling more for one like I said so everybody's kind of like Latvia loses I think I think the rough estimate and I think it's like the the <laughs> like the the uh, paranoid estimate is like around like a hundred thousand per year um, leave Latvia, like migrate mm. to other parts of Europe because you earn. I think it's you don't earn a lot of money in Latvia. You earn really nothing in Latvia. So like you go right. and you know it's you can earn more money picking mushrooms in Ireland or in the UK than you can like being a professor in Latvia. Wow. Um. So you know, but then you also have like, and because there's like Erasmus, which allows people to study abroad. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a lot of, you know, say like 18 to say 24 year olds who have done a lot of their schooling outside of right. Latvia. And they're also a lot more. and stuff. Yeah. And so they're a lot more digitally connected. They've had kind of conversations with people, particularly people who are not Latvian about these things. So I think a lot of that's kind of trickling back into Latvia as well. And, you know, you have like truly the first generation now that's running around that was born after the Soviet after the collapse right. of the Soviet right, Union. Right, behind the Iron Curtain. Right. So <laughs> they're not they're they're kind of talking about things very differently. I mean, remember, sure. race did not exist in the Soviet Union officially. You know, so I do think in terms of like progress and terminology and thinking about things, um, it has happened in a really relatively short time span in some ways and in some ways it's kind of like been very gradual and Mm -hmm. kind of working through and just like talking to people and thinking about it and actually having um more intellectual exercises in these discussions um some of which i contributed to willingly or unwillingly i don't know but yeah but i think the contribution (laughs) as long as it happens and it it actually means progression i think is definitely the best end result yeah that's really interesting i definitely think we should add that to your wikipedia page (laughs) if you don't have one already we say that you help the progression of latvia I just sort of gave, I wrote some articles, I gave some talks, I mean, like the people asked me to do, and it's a really small country, so you are a big fish in a tiny pond, and it's really easy. Um, But hey, progression is progression. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I wrote an article about blackface in Latvia, and it was amazing. Um, The article was amazing, but... Does that exist online? It does, but it's in Latvian, but I can send you the original English version, which is not as good because the person who is my translator... um, How about the Google Translate of it? (laughs) (laughs) That's going to look really weird. That Google Chrome (laughs) attachment, that's insane, right? Yeah, he had to find... find, My poor translator, he was like... He's, a, he's getting his I think he's already has his um well like I think he already has his philosophy his PhD in philosophy but um he was so funny because he was like there's a couple of terms that you use they're kind of academic and it's really hard because they don't have direct translations in sure. Latvian so he had to like do a lot of like legwork on like what does this term mean and I can't like now I can't recall what some of those terms were because blackness I had found out because I actually um when I had given a talk related to that article way before the article even became an article. Um, 
I remember going up to the interpreters in the interpreter booth before I gave my talk. And I was like, so here are these three terms. I don't know what they would be in Latvian. Please help me out. Like, what would be like if you could think up of like what would be like a good way to say it's in Latvian? Because I just want to know so like that, you know, that I'm using these terms so that you can interpret them correctly. So we had like this great conversation, like how would you do like blackness and how would you say like Latvianess and um so it was like really cool having these conversations with people being like, how do you use these terms Aww. in another language? Like it sounds so natural to me. So I want to give you a special thank you again for joining us. This is a really, really energizing conversation just about just mm-hmm. the, I, I think because with your, you have seen not only live outside of the United States, but just within the United States too, there's so mm-hmm. many different intersections that I think get overlooked. So thank you. Yeah. And we usually ask people where you can find them online, but since you are an incredibly <laughs> private person, <laughs> there is nowhere to find you online. <laughs> Which I love. That's so, so fucking so honestly i'll just say like she's if, ninja status if you, <laughs> if you find yourself having like a jstor um subscription maybe you might find find her somewhere yeah there. or you know you might have the first jstor shout out on open-ended which might, <laughs> <laughs> which or might like pro quest i mean it would be more like pro quest thesis and dissertations mm-hmm. um if there are any latvian speakers who are listening and there might be i mean first of all like this we got some listeners to, in Latvia. Right. And this goes out to a lot of people. And also, too, like Chicago has a large Latvian community. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the Blackface in Latvia um, article you can find on satori.lv. So S-A-T-O-R-I.lv. You know, dot L-V. Because um, I'm a contributor on there. And it's actually a really great kind of like alternative type of journal political discussions things like that um so it's on there um and you can uh you can always ask to follow me on twitter i have a closed account but um and i should reactivate it now that i'm in a new city um but it is ethnography inc oh that's so cute That's so cute. I like it. So you can also try to like, you know, request to add me. And I have not forgotten my password to Twitter yet. So um, that's a good sign. (laughs) (laughs) That's valid. So I can be found. And if you, you know, if you're in the Chicago area, I'm always up for meeting for coffee with people. Awesome. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Lauren. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Cher. Thank you, James. This episode is brought to you by Basecamp. When you use Basecamp to run projects, people know what to do, people know where things are, and you stay on top of everything all the time. All right, guys, so this week we are doing an open mic, but this one is a little different. Because we all like the same things, we only could find one thing we kind of had a disagreement on. <laughs> Just one. And we're gonna we're gonna suck it for everything that's worth. Yeah, we are. We're gonna we're gonna put three minutes on the clock. <laughs> we're we're gonna do this. Okay. Yeah. Um yeah, so we are all big architecture nerds and yes. I and I've been I, on architecture tour quite a lot. Quite a lot. <laughs> And I feel so bad because, like, accidentally we discovered that, like, I am the only person that really enjoys modern architecture. And all right, so yeah, we're we're just gonna go there. 
It's a half truth. (laughs) (laughs) So in three minutes, well, not in three minutes, but we're going to put three minutes on the the clock and discuss why my architecture is the best architecture as compared to this this old style garbage out there. So (laughs) trash talk already. Okay. Uh So we're going to put it on three. So three, two, one. Let's begin. Okay, so I'm going to start off by just being very specific to Chicago, but I don't know, if you live in a world where the lyric opera exists and just the fact that it's so beautiful and just the little Easter egg that it is, like it's literally shaped as a chair, and he did it because his wife... Because he, he wanted to make sure his um, his wife always had a seat, and that's just like the most romantic thing <laughs> I've ever heard. And when I heard that, I like I burst into tears. I was like six. You're like, oh my god, that's so romantic! Like you can't find that shit in these glass cathedrals that are like super shiny. They all look the same. They look like little androids, you know, standing in the skyline. I don't know. It's not very. It, there's no character, and that's where my um heart lies it's like i like buildings with character that look like you know they can stand the test of time and i feel like you throw a rock at these glass cathedrals they just crumble so that's kind of where i'm at what about you um lauren what, what are your feelings about that well my thing is is that i mean i taught architecture students for two years and i always sort of said to them like there are certain things that i do there are certain things aesthetically that i do like about some modern architecture Mm -hmm. but what i don't like is when those glass boxes and the frank geary buildings and the mise van der rohe buildings which are the same stupid glass boxes (laughs) um but when they're but like you know like when they're kind of like plopped down next to some of the kind of like older architecture, even newer architecture that's made to look like some of the older architecture Mm -hmm. without taking into account like what is next to them or what's around them. I mean, I see that right now in Logan Square here in, you know, here in Chicago on North Milwaukee where they have these like glass towers that are being built. And then I'm like, it doesn't even match with anything around it. Like, why can't you make it at least like reflect it? I mean, it will be reflected, but like, (laughs) but at least like be in conversation with what's around it. I mean, it looks like it it sticks up like a a sore thumb. It's obvious, like clearly this is gentrification. Mm -hmm. Clearly we're trying to shake things up. You're not even trying to blend in Mm -hmm. or even trying to make it so like it, can complement everything around it. Can it's we just, just discuss real quick just how imp- completely impractical like a lot of these buildings you have are? Like, for example, all these gothic buildings downtown, they're completely impractical. Like, there's ornamentation for the sake of no ornamentation. Like, why on earth would we have all these stupid ass things poking off of here Nothing's if it's not needed i mean have you <laughs> why on earth we need one angel? i mean have, have, have you seen the beauty that is the new chinatown branch library yeah but then also what about Harry washington library Harry washington library is i mean it's good it's good but it also looks like everything else of that time era oh, you know what i mean whoa. so right. burr, burr, burr. yeah shots burr, 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 fired. actually so, it was made in 1991 so you know what i mean <laughs> have you have you do you remember the 90s yeah but i also like it wasn't good okay the timer's well, up we didn't even get to talk about the jay P- uh, pavilion downtown um millennium park we didn't even get to talk about that we that's okay talk, okay you know Frank Gary. it doesn't matter mm. i won everybody knows what <laughs> <laughs> Because I just, I just wanted, uh, to come, I just wanted to come in at the end and just eat there. Hold you your breath, James. <laughs> hold your breath. 
<laughs> I call I call shenanigans. I don't. You know, know. what? Yeah, just had a lot. <laughs> you, <laughs> Damn it, James! Oh man, I won. Everybody knew it. No, they didn't. <laughs> you barely spoke. That's what okay. Are. That's okay because the buildings speak for themselves. Okay. <laughs> I think somebody needs to go down to the UIC campus and get a little bit of perspective. Word. Oh. Yeah. Because. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Come and visit us there. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Hey, James. Hey, Cher. You know what time it is? I do. <laughs> it's open call time. Open call time. It's open call. It's open call time. Open call time. So as we start, as we always do with the guests, we ask the guests, what are they enjoying this week? So Lauren, what has been, dig- what have you been digging this week? What is making you happy? I am enjoying the fact that now I am hopefully going to break away from my only five outfits at work during the week (laughs) because I've actually decided to open up to the fact that I can go shopping and it's amazing. Oh my gosh, where have you been shopping? Um, So, you know, I don't want to be... Embrace it. I'm going to embrace... Fast fashion, except I haven't been to H&M. I mean, I have been, but they don't have anything right now. It's really annoying. Um, But I do have to say that Anthropology and Ann Taylor saved me yesterday. Yeah, I love Ann Taylor's jewelry. I'm mm. really into it. Like, I like their like <laughs> statement pieces, and I like their earrings. I just love that you shop at Anthropology and you studied <laughs> Anthropology. <laughs> I have a jacket from Anthropology. See, I usually don't buy clothes from Anthropology. I think I like one, their candles. Yeah, I like their drawer handles, the glass drawer handles. That's oh, usually what I buy. Nice. But I did find a jacket there yesterday for seventeen dollars, and I come what? from a, I know, and it that was is, originally like one hundred ninety. Exactly, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Let me try to squeeze into one of those dresses over there. Let me head up, head up the anthropology. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, blew my was, mind a little bit. Yeah, I know it blew my mind too, and I was like, I am not not buying this. <laughs> well, what about you, Cher? Oh gosh. Okay. So my open call this week is um, what I did last night. I. <laughs> I went to see The Reed live oh last God. night at Harold Washington Cultural Center. I'm so jealous. Um, you don't know what The Reed is. The Reed is a fantastic podcast hosted by Kid Fury and Crystal. And um, they do, sometimes they do spots on MTV2. And they, it's it's kind of like, it's kind of similar to me and to the show, but they rarely have guests. This is more or less them talking about shit that happened online, things that are going on Twitter, and just pop culture and in general and the read is the the title of the show is because at the end of every show instead of talking about what they like this week they talk about the thing that's the things that piss them off which is what i love so much because it's like i can get with anger <laughs> i can understand anger and it was so much fun and the merch table was lit as fuck they had fucking oils they were selling oils wait there were oils there was oils. I think it was actually the Hair Washington Library selling it. Hair uh, Washington <laughs> Cultural Center selling this. But they had like caramel cheese popcorn for four dollars. They had crushed. They had crushed uh, grape soda. They had like <laughs> they were selling like grains. They were selling necklaces. It was also really nice to be like in a huge crowd of mostly um, black folks and like just spotting like the one like the three or four white folks. I was like, yes, such a great like reversal because like I'm I'm in so many like spaces where it's like I have to spot the brown folks and it's nice to like have that reversal. So, uh, yeah. Shout out to the Read Live. Y'all brought it last night. It was super fun. 
and um, yeah, that was what that's what I'm digging this week. What about you, James? So what I'm digging this week, aside from being jealous of you, Cher, <laughs> is this man. It's been a long time since I've read a good piece of fiction, especially online. And the most recent thing that I read that was just fantastic. It was a piece on N Plus One magazine, one of my favorite magazines, both online and off. And it's called Uncanny Valley by Anna um, Winner. And the great thing about this particular, uh, like, long-form fish fiction, question mark, is it takes the place from um, a woman who's working in tech, and she's describing all of these cliches and her, like, bouncing in and out of, like, this, um, you know, sort of, like, technology-based world out in San Francisco that everybody knows who's listening here knows what's happening out there. Yep. But the thing that I really enjoyed it the most is that everything in it was completely accurate to a T, which made it a very compelling read. Because um, a lot of times I've read pieces of these natures that try to do um, what she was trying to do, and it just kind of falls flat because it just is not done well. It kind of reminds me of why I really like the show Silicon Valley on HBO. I'm because so happy it's back. Yes! It's yes. So yeah, and it's so bad. I know, I, I watched it yesterday. It was so good. So and good. Yeah, and... The, yeah, just the amount of detail that went into this piece, it almost made you feel like, was this fiction or was this not like what I might have talked about with with a friend over drinks, you know, like or what I might have seen on Twitter. But <laughs> it was like the best piece of fiction I've read this year. Um, so, yeah, I would check it out. It's called Uncanny Valley. So just Google that in N plus one magazine and get a subscription. It's good. Awesome. Thank you, James. I feel like I just need to like change mine. I'm like, yours was so amazing. And mine was about like shopping. Girl, <laughs> do you? Shopping it's okay. Is shopping is good. I might have to we, go to Uniqlo after this. Exactly. <laughs> I, need to get a, I need to get a dress. So, we, well, yeah. We should, shopping trip. Yeah. Let's do it, guys. <laughs> We did it, Cher. We did it. We did it. Episode 52? 52. 52. Man. Oh my gosh. Keeps going up. Can't believe it. We keep on doing it. Holy shit. Ugh. So, we want to give a special shout out to the Chicago Podcast Co-op for letting us be a part of their network as Thank well. Thank you, guys. So, we want to give a special shout out this week to I Disagree But. Cher, tell me a little bit about that show. Sure. Whitaker Jabella and Bryce Poles tackle some of life's most frivolous arguments and fiercely try to teach each other why they ri- they're right. That is, I disagree, but here at the CPC. And we want to give a special thanks to Cards Against Humanity for letting us use their space. Thank you, Cards. This week's episode was produced by me with editorial oversight by Cher Vincent. And who did the music? U plus one F six zero C, which is the Unicode for the plus sign emoji, and it is James' musical side project. As always, you can rate us on iTunes, and I really think you should. <laughs> and also, you can find us on Overcast as well. Um, also, last but not least, you can donate and become a member. How can you do that, Chair? You can go to openended.fm slash donate, or you can become a member at Patreon. And starting at $1 a month, because that's really good start to start anything i think and that is at patreon.com slash open-ended if you have any kind of questions on the show or if you want them answered on the air we have sometimes our open up segment where we will answer listener questions and how can you do that you can go to our ask cole at ask.fm slash open-ended or you can use a twitter hashtag at ask open-ended 
uh yeah so you can find us at a couple websites emails and our twitter and what are those open at fm slash contact where you can fill out those cute little form we've got for you up there or you can just email us at the open-ended podcast at gmail.com and lastly but most importantly you can always follow us at twitter at open-ended fm yeah so we don't have a guest next week so you just have to deal with the both of us which is cool which is so cool um and last but not least this has been a production of post loudness a collective of independent audio shows by people of color women and queer identified hosts you can learn more about that at postloudness.com so as we say at the end of every single episode keep things open-ended yeah i think these are things that make me i mean retail therapy is actually therapy i think you know the day was great until i you know ran into the weird guys outside of the nordstrom's on the miracle mile who Uh were like hawking hand cream or something and i think and they were talking in funny accents and i was like where are you from and a guy's like oh i'm from here from chicago and i'm like okay yeah and he but i said but I was like, but before that, you said you grew up abroad. And he's like, yeah, you know, my father traveled everywhere. And I was like, were you like in the military? Was he in the military? Did he like work in foreign service? And he's like, no, he was just like one of those people. I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm curious about this hand cream, though. Like, yeah, was, I, it like, I was it like, try co- it. Was it like coconut? No, oil? it's like called like diamond hand cream nope. or nope. something. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah, it's like a diamond because, you, because your hand will turn into like some rock rashy looking like a diamond no you, you immediately become ashy upon yeah like, exactly yeah, that's what it does. like you know like the yeah it's uh, water i didn't try it water based <laughs> it's water and baking soda oh yeah i have it in my bag i have not opened it because oh. i'm like frightening i love that you took it well it was a free sample oh, okay that's valid oh. i do not take free samples I freak out because I'm like, it's my own keyboard, but like the minute like the <laughs> IT guy comes and he's like using my keyboard, I'm like, yeah, my fault. I don't know where your hands have been. That is valid. Now it's all going to go in my hair. <laughs> oh, no. It's fine. It's going to dry the Clorox stuff. Yeah.